What up, what up, what up? Hello, this is Sam Norton coming at you with the DTF Podcast. Yeah. We got another episode of Just a Tad for you coming up right now. So lay back, relax, and re- and relieve yourself to the fine dining experience of these mouth palpitations coming out. So smooth, silky, and sweet. Uh, <laughs> all right, I don't know what the fuck that was. I uh, I guess I was just trying to get into a character of uh, 90s disc jockey on a, on a hip-hop station, I guess. I don't know, man. I was like five years old. Uh, now, why am I doing that dumb impression or voice or character? Well, it's because I'm just trying to get into the mood for what we're talking about today, which is the late, great Bernie Mac, the Mac dog, the Mac daddy, the original king of comedy. Yes, Bernie Mac. Uh, now, he was he did pass away back in August of 2008, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about his most infamous of sets back in 1993 on the Deaf comedy jam presented by russell simmons uh, it was it's so so famous amongst the comedy community it's i think it's even outside of that but uh, if you guys don't know uh we're gonna get into it right now uh and dissect it but uh basically deaf comedy jam they back in the 90s and they tried to have a resurgence and bring it back i don't think it went very long but they had a deaf comedy jam they had a deaf poetry slam i think they had another one too but the russell simmons uh brought up saw that there was a a vacuum uh in mainstream comedy that didn't allow for uh, minority, predominantly black, but minority comics to have a voice and a platform to showcase their style of comedy. So he created the Deaf Comedy Jam, which was huge. It got it launched so many careers. Martin Lawrence, Dave Chappelle, Cedric the Entertainer, uh, D.L. Hughley, uh, and, uh, you know, Bernie Mac, apparently. You know, of course, we're talking about Bernie Mac. Now this... This set we're about to get into, I want to give you a little bit of a backstory so you can understand the context of what we're going into, and then I'm going to dissect why uh, not only this set was great, but why Bernie Mac in general was uh, just the the icon that he definitely is. Um, Now, this episode, Martin Lawrence was hosting, and this episode, I've heard through, there was a documentary that came out a few years ago i think it was in 2011 but there was a documentary that came out that was like a tribute to bernie Mac. said i ain't scared and it was the, the title came from this set now cedric the entertainer i believe in that documentary uh tells the story of this set saying that that night uh by the way that it was taped uh it was a very unruly audience now they used to do Deaf Comedy Jam at the Apollo in Harlem, uh, New York, and it was predominantly black crowd, and it was just known for being rambunctious. It was a, it was a fun kind of communal party activity that, you know, the people, I mean, people from all around started going to it, but when it first started out, it was just kind of New Yorkers going out and having this, you know, Apollo's famous for, like, just unabashed emotion, unabashed emotions going towards the acts and with comedy you know if if it's positive you get these scream laughters just 
can't contain yourself because a normal laugh is just a ha ha, you know, a chuckle, but a scream laugh is just ha like you're almost doing a war cry. Uh, but on the flip side, right, if you didn't do well, you got booed off stage. People used to throw shit. And so Cedric was saying in this episode, apparently, because I guess he was there that night, uh, the crowd was very unruly, and the person that went up before Bernie got booed off stage. Like, did so bad that everybody was like, you suck, and just get, and they, he had to just end a set, cut it, and then uh, leave the stage. And Martin Lawrence, super famous now and was even bigger back then like he he made he he made his celebrity chops off of hosting Def Comedy Jam and was uh he was like the Kevin Hart of his day basically and he uh Cedric said that even Martin couldn't really calm the audience down so he just brought out Bernie and was like hey dude I'm sorry but this is all I can do for you and Bernie came out and did this set and we'll get back into it now uh that that is what we're getting set up to right now, okay? And so listen to the way Bernie comes out, attacks the crowd, and we'll get back into it when we come back. All right, enjoy. I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. I'm going to tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no foolishness. And New York, goddamn y'all motherfucking women look good. Y'all like a bacon and egg sandwich look good. But I love sex. I love it. Can't do shit no more. And I'm blessed. I'm big boned. I'm heavy structured. I'm hung low. If I pull my shit out, this whole room get dark. Kick it! You don't understand. I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. I love, I love sex, man. I love it by the pound. I'd be glad when they put that shit in cans. Can you imagine sex in cans? Motherfuckers be shoplifting and shit. <laughs> Folks be playing ball, man. Then what you can really do, man? I'm time. Give me a six pack and put some going in. Kick it! You don't understand. Women just do anything till you talk to any kind of way you want to talk to somebody. It don't make no motherfucking sense. I'm in a bar minding my business, cool enough, just being cool, like I am, chilling. Woman gonna come to me. Then she just asked any goddamn thing she want to do. She said, Mac. I said, Yeah, that's my name. She said, Can I ask you a question? I said, Yeah. She says, Does pussy taste like pumpkin pie? Made me mad as hell. Don't ask me no damn question like that. I ain't never had no pumpkin pie. Kick it! You don't understand. When you make love to a black woman, I'm going to tell you how you do it. You got to be good. I'm not talking about myself. Because you know a fuck ain't number 50 pumps. Count if you ain't got nothing to do. It ain't number five minutes, but the full play make it seem longer. 
But you get a woman, black woman, man, I'm going to tell you something. I don't care how meek that woman is, how soft-spoken she is. If you're giving her the dick, <laughs> whatever wrong with you, she's going to let you know. You can have a patch on your eye, your leg could be broke. If you get up there, she'll be like, Woo! Shit! You patch eye motherfucker. You broke leg son of a bitch! You know you in this motherfucker. Kick ass! You don't understand, goddamn. And you know what's funny when you make love to a woman and she on top? And the phone ring, that's some funny shit. When she on the phone ring, man, every time she, you know, on the phone, be ready, go, ring, ring. You get cool and shit. Ring, baby, don't answer. Ring, I, I gotta answer. Ring, um, baby, don't answer. Ring, ah, it might be a job. Ring. And every time, you know, she just pick up the phone and start fiddle fiddling with, you know. When she pick it up, every time she try to talk. Give her the dick. She'll be like, hello. What? 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 Oh, what, what, what I'm doing? This one you get. What I'm doing? Oh, nothing. But I love my black peoples. I'm gonna tell you something, but we gotta stop the violence, we gotta vote. Stop the violence and vote. Cause I did a show in Chicago. I mean that. Stop this violence. Out of Chicago, I did a show for Cook County Jail. And you know, over 40% of the brothers in jail for nothing. And they had a little survey, a little panel thing. We gotta ask them each question, you know. So I asked them, man, I said, uh, hey, my brother, what you in for? He said, nothing. <laughs> Brothers got this thing about being a punk. What is a punk? I never did understand that for the sake of my life. He said, nothing. That's how long you're in for. He said, ever. <laughs> now, you know, for a long time, you take the four off that motherfucker. <laughs> I said, man, I said, so what you in for? I, you know, I ain't no punk. I didn't tell on my boy. I said, what? You in jail for no motherfucker? No, you ain't no punk. You a new fool. Because I'd be damned if I served time for any of you motherfuckers. I'd be in court just like this. <laughs> Judge be like, who are you? I'd be like, punk. Yana, he killed that motherfucker. Shot him in the head full time, kicked him in the face. I tried to call you, but the line was busy. I'm burning my come out of here. All right, that was Barney Mac on the Deaf Comedy Jam uh, saying, I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. That's so fun to watch because here's the thing. Um, now, l let's get back to the story just to kind of give you a uh, full perspective. Uh, so Cedric actually said that, and I don't, I, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt because I have watched that actual full episode, and the dude 
before didn't do half bad. His name's Hamburger, like something Jones Hamburger. I don't know what his name is. But the comic before that uh, didn't do that bad. Uh, I mean, his jokes were terrible, but the crowd reaction, uh, they dug it. And then Martin Lawrence uh, said, give it up for that guy. And then he brought out uh, Bernie Mac right after that. And I was paying attention to like edits and cuts, so I'm not entirely sure if that's 100% true, that someone got booed off beforehand. so But something had to have happened. You can tell something had to have happened to where he comes out and I, saying, I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. Something had to have happened to have the crowd so behind it. And Bernie had, like... So with that said, okay, uh, in my estimation, Bernie had so much charisma and confidence. He controlled that crowd and any crowd... Like, he was a cult leader. Like, he, he was just controlling his flock. He, he, he could have done Mussolini fucking hand movements and different, like, goose-stepping, and people would have gone along with him on mo- most nights because he just had that type of, uh, like, preacher-esque, follow me uh, and trust me into the abyss type ability. You watch this and listen to this from so long ago, he's not really... Uh, let's be honest, okay? I'll be honest with you guys. He's not saying shit, okay? His jokes are corny. They were dick jokes at best. And they, most of them were, you know, were, were nonsense. But he himself was purely funny. And it's actually almost more so uh, when you kind of look back at it now. Now, just listening to it, uh, is funny when you go back and actually watch it at the time his fashion was uh you know the coolest but early 90s fashion was bad so let me explain it to you he's wearing like a patchwork button-up shirt that uh definitely came out of the fresh prince wardrobe it just has like all these uh red red green yellow and black like patchwork uh, things and it looks like they patched up an old ripped white shirt, but the white shirt is very nice, and that's tucked into jeans, which has his face airbrushed down one pant leg, and on the other pant leg is graffiti that you can't read. It, I mean, it is, it's pure. He looks like a fucking clown at the time. He probably looked real cool, but now it just makes it even funnier. And that timelessness of being just a I mean, any anybody else, right? You look back and you go, uh, just looking and hearing that, just the jokes. You go, what a corny, fucking hacky piece of shit, right? But with Bernie, there's some weird intangible where you're like, he was actually good. Like, those jokes, it, it coming out of anybody else's mouth and any other kind of cadence, I I would demolish i would say that that person fucking sucks i don't care how fun it is that fuck it but something about bernie there was this weird i don't want to say honesty but just i guess honesty about his personality we it just that set in particular and a lot of other sets that i've seen of him he always made it feel like you were just talking to him like he like yeah maybe you were at a party but it it really felt like he was talking directly to I, I watch this. I'm in front of a computer, right? I watch this and <laughs> I, I still kind of feel like he's talking to me, like I'm in the room. 
Like he he would pull me aside afterwards and be like, "Yeah, you like that? You don't understand, right?" Like there there was some all right, maybe not honesty, intimacy. Bernie Mac had the, a great ability of uh kind of shared intimacy. Now, a lot of other comics will do it with the the talk the topic of jokes or conversation, right? Like uh, you know, someone like Bill Hitch, Bill Hicks, or Richard Pryor would would get personal, would uh, kind of give you these philosophical ideas, and so it'd feel real uh, intimate in that way. But it'd be intimate in a personal way. Whereas Bernie's is intimate in a uh, kind of family or communal way. Uh, I think in large part, some of that may be he's kind of got that pastor pastoral i don't know if that's an actual word but like preacher there we go a preacher's uh kind of cadence a voice like he's he's and to me uh if you didn't grow up with a you know if you didn't grow up religious maybe that doesn't have that same type of maternity or fraternity to it but it really has this like ah we're we're all kind of hanging out like it, it it him just doing jokes about dicks and uh you know was a just by his voice was very uh church like you know it was, it was like a worship service um so he brought that energy he brought the energy of a worship service of you know kick it and it, it, that kind of reflects if you've ever been to a southern baptist church where they got guitars and full choirs uh you know the once the preacher kind of gets on a roll uh, he'll say hallelujah or amen or praise him. And then the, the organs will go and everybody will sing and then he'll quit and then go right back into his tangent. And okay. You know, he'll kind of have that. So he had that type of, um, charisma and cadence of a preacher. Right. But separately, the, the problem with dissecting Bernie is his comedy is almost, it's almost impossible to dissect to be quite honest, uh, because it's not his joke structure or his uh, punchlines. It's his overwhelming sense of of character and confidence. Like, and this I think showcased it better than anything. Now he got big off of this. Okay, he really did. That this is the thing that kind of launched his. Um, uh, not his celebrity. His celebrity probably was off of the Kings of Comedy, but his his ascension. This launched his ascension. Everybody started looking at him after this, and it's because he just had that um, that intangible thing. Now I don't want to, you know, this whole podcast is about dissecting things, so I don't want to have a cop out and go like, oh, you can't can't really dissect character. Um, but I, I'm so I'm not going to do that. What I am going to try to do is contextualize what I think his personality was like. Um, uh, and I think the biggest thing, right? He had the preacher thing. I've heard a lot of people say that, but I want to go one step deeper. I think he, especially in this uh, just crazy, <laughs> crazy set, it was almost like he had object and body awareness, all right? And what I mean by that is like, like Michael Jordan, right? You watch some of his uh, like craziest gameplays, like at like buzzer shots or uh, driving up the hole and doing like all his crazy shit. He had 
object and body awareness. And I think that Bernie had that situational awareness that I think a comic can have. Now, he wasn't doing a bunch of physical shit. He was doing mental, he was like a mental Michael Jordan. Because, like, Michael Jordan, he trains his body through hard work and talent, you know, hard work and talent. Uh, you know, Kobe did this. Any basketball player that's at an elite le uh, level, uh, you know, they, they drive through the hole. Uh, they 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 switch to do a layup at uh, on the right side of the rim, but somebody comes up to block it, so they you know pass it to the left side and do a you know a left hand layup on the back side of the rim, not even with like no look. They just switch it up. I, I hope that you guys have theater of mind enough to know what I'm talking about to just do a no look switch behind uh, you know behind your own back. Uh, layup after a defender gets in the way and sinks it, right? And even better, maybe gets, uh, you know, gets to shoot a free throw after that, you know, gets the gets the penalty shot. And I feel like that's what Bernie Mac was doing. Uh, basketball's not your thing? Okay, uh, Mike Tyson. Uh, you watch Mike Tyson bouts, right? He, he always turtle-shelled. He was always smaller than everybody, but he had situational and object awareness, right? He would turtle-shell, get in as close as possible, and wait for someone to, you know, give him a flap-doodle, like, test jab. But because, you know, they were so much lengthier, he could get in, gets a test jab, and then he just uppercuts him right. That, that's what Mike Tyson was known for, just that one knockout. And I feel like that's – both of those analogies are kind of what Bernie Mac – uh, showcased here and why people gravitated towards him and would always gravitate towards him because he had this kind of situational awareness uh, that I think can be honed, definitely. But I don't think it can be taught, if that makes any sense at all. Um, I think I think if you have it, you if you naturally have uh, the ability to read the room and see... Uh, maybe where it should go. I think you can hone it over time and become even better at it. But I think if you don't have it, I don't think it can be, really be learned. That's an innate ability, and I think that's what Bernie had more than anything. He he had crowd control. Um, that's why I like that story, and I, I really did try to find if it was true or not, but I, I'm going to go off the pretense that it was true. All right? the, I, I don't see any reason for Cedric to lie about it, so I'm going to go off the pretense that it was true. I've seen many, many shows where something happens earlier in the night or the comic before somebody says something weird or, uh, you know, somebody spills a drink, something, right? And I think what separates the men from the boys or the women from the girls in that situation is that what I'm trying to kind of convey right now is that, that situational awareness, Right. It's uh, it's like it's dealing with a heckler. It's dealing with uh, weird noises coming out of nowhere. It's dealing with, um, uh, like I said, shit happening beforehand. And I think lesser comics will go up. Say say someone bombs in front of them and then makes like like thirteen rape jokes. You know, a lesser comic will just go right into their stuff. Where I think a a real pro and natural like Bernie Mac will go up and maybe just do the rest of their set off of the awkwardness of the situation or the terribleness of that comedian or just make a one side just to kind of reset the room and you feel it out as you go it's it's a lot like riding a wave of like okay did I did I catch this wave did I 
uh, are there any waves right now? Do I got to create my own? It's, it, it's, it's like I said before I started this little rant, it's, it's a pretty intangible thing to describe if you haven't done it, but those, those two analogies of either uh, basketball and boxing and riding a wave are the best examples I can, I can give you. It's, it's, a, it's a lot like athletics of you through repetition and th- yeah, through repetition and, and work ethic, you train your body to work at a higher or more elite level. Uh, but the, the talent aspect is being able to subconsciously just do it right. You can, you can build that muscle, but that muscle has got to be there to begin with. You can't just, uh, you know, create a muscle that doesn't exist. So, you know, some people are tall. Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna be a short guy, you gotta have you know some people are tall so they they can play basketball better, right? But if they're short, if they're like Muggsy Bogues. You gotta be able to overwork that ability, but you also gotta work your ability. Muggsy Bogues, uh, who's a really short basketball player, he wasn't dunking on everybody. He was playing the perimeter. He was stealing balls. He was passing. That was his muscle to work. And Bernie. His muscle to work was that preacher aspect. I don't even know. I, I've seen interviews of Bernie Mac and his voice, the sum of a bitch, that voice. His, I think that was his natural cadence. And he fucking squeezed every last drop of talent out of that. He found a way for it to not only be a source of uh, disarming charm, like I said about the cult leader, but he also made it a this weird way of saying saying jokes that were lesser than, I guess is the best word. The, say jokes that were not that good, not that well written, but he would say it in a cadence and a pattern in with such gumption, I guess is the right word that it made it funny. And those things are really, uh, to me, what I think separate uh, the elite comics versus other comics. Now, uh, I'm a huge fan of joke writing. I I, I hope you know that by now by listening. I love joke writing. I love structure and all this stuff. But um, on the flip side, I love character. I love the, the, not intangible, but the, the, the vaporous, uh, I don't even know if that's a word, but the, uh, it's almost like steam where, you know, it's there, but it's really hard to bottle up. And, uh, Bernie Mac, especially in this is, is hard to, I mean, honestly, after listening to this, describing how it's funny to a friend that's never heard this, how would you do it? You would all you would say is, dude, he was just so fucking confident that it was hilarious. That's all it was. He was just, he was so Bernie Mac and so confident in Bernie Mac that it was just a fun ride to fucking hang out with him. And that's like hanging out at a job and you're like, why is this guy funny? Oh, you got You had to be there type thing. And I think that was a lot of Bernie Mac's things. And I think there, there's a lot of comics out there that don't get a lot of credit because... Uh, you, you have to you have to experience their shit, uh, and I think a lot of true artist comics are like that, where um, you know their material in anybody else's hands is dog shit, 
so it's really hard to steal from them, which is great because that means that they're unique and original. That's what a, a real artist is. It's it, in the business of comedy, we call it finding your voice. Um, if I had to guess, if I was a betting man, I would say that Bernie Mac, if he he either did not have to find his voice at all, or he had it right like within the first year. I, it feels feels like he was Bernie Mac right away, uh, judging by this. And it uh, sucks that he's gone. I, I feel like I say this like every other episode. It's like, oh, it sucks that he's gone. So, yeah, people die all the time in this business. And uh, maybe the beautiful thing to take away from this is that we will have their art forever. It, it, it's, uh, it's, it's the beauty about art is it's, it's, it's a timeless thing when you're playing at an elite level and uh, maybe we don't get anything new from him anymore, but we can celebrate what he gave us and uh, celebrate what they all gave us. And holy shit, this man was uh, a fucking monster. And this this set is uh, it's just one of those ones that I, I love to watch uh, to remind myself that uh, sometimes you just got to fuck the audience in the face. <laughs> Cause just I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. I can't tell you how many times I've heard a comic say that after they've crushed and they've just come off the stage feeling like a a king that just had a orgy of blowjobs uh, thrust upon him. That just uh, so many comics just come off. I ain't scared of you motherfuckers, especially especially when you turn an audience. Like when there's an audience and they're shitty. And you just go, you know what, fuck these people. And you go up there and you fucking, you just go hard to the paint with them. And you do a Michael Jordan, no no look behind the back, uh, reverse layup. And you get off stage and you pound your chest and you go, that's how it's done. Uh, so Bernie Mac, uh, one of the greats. He was one of the kings of comedy. And uh, he will be missed, but uh, you won't be missed because I'll see you next week because you guys are, are wonderful. Please, please do me the favor and like, subscribe, share, comment. I want to hear from you guys. I see you guys are listening to it all the time. I would Just send me messages. If you're listening uh, through SoundCloud, that's great. If you're listening through any other platform, that's great. Uh, if you're going through my website, send me stuff. I want to hear from you guys. Give me, give me topics. That's even better. I, I'll come up with them for sure. Uh, I, w- I want to nerd out with you guys. I, I, I want to treat this like a conversation, and that goes two ways. I want to I hear your feedbacks, maybe your own theories. Send me your own theories on shit. That's, uh, that's the beauty of this. I do this in my everyday life, and I want to I do it in my every everyday life. That doesn't make any sense, but I don't give a shit because I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah.